on this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. Hi, I'm a level five fighter and I love fighting through the woods with my little sword and killing rabbits every day. And everything is great because, you know, I'm just happy where I am. I am a level 56 rock monster and I'm going to smash you. Oh no, I guess I shouldn't have been so complacent. Oh well, I guess I'll go go on uh, Kickstarter and find me a board game to, to back. Game begin. I used to be a marketer like you, until I took an arrow to the knee. Hey everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your host, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined by Sean and Rick. Welcome to 2024, and we have uh, a nerdy, fun topic for you that's really just been grinding my gears. Um, I want to talk about complacency and what I what I see um, that causes campaigns to to... I mean, it's a new year. You've got um, your goals and New Year's resolutions and everything like that. Hopefully, you didn't quit on them by the time you actually listen to this podcast. And uh, for the 1% that are, um, hopefully, all of you that listen to this are the 1%, for the 1% that intend to actually carry through on their New Year's resolutions, or maybe you made resolutions on December 31st because every day is the same um, and uh, one year or the year turning doesn't make a difference, really. Uh, this, this podcast is for you. Um, my resolution is the same as last year's. Okay. Well, did 1920 by 1080 just continue to be awesome or (laughs) (laughs) just using the same monitor. You see your dad, you can make jokes like that. (laughs) Oh, mine changed. I had to get a bigger one because Andrew gives me too much work. Uh, (laughs) I have three three (laughs) monitors and I don't know my resolution anymore. So. I, I I can't do multiple monitors because I don't have the space. I have an itty bitty little desk, mm-hmm. itty yeah. bitty little bedroom. So I just have a wide one, which was cool because I got it on a uh, Black Friday sale. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to afford it. And it's it's wide. I don't know what the dimension is, but it's like two screens in one. So I'm is it one of those that it. that are like bowed, like kind of a curved? No, screen? those are really expensive. Um, yeah, I have to be a little budget wise on my on my ordering so no this one's i saw somebody with one of those things it's like dang it's basically three monitors next to each other where you you can lock one like you you full screen your internet browser and it takes up like a third of the of this massive screen in front of you yeah those are about a thousand i think wow yeah that seems i I know that um you you it was possible to play league of legends on three monitors and you could see all three lanes at the same time no way <laughs> that's cool uh, so at one stage i was selling professional laptops to, to gamers and that was one of our selling points oh you could play league of legends and look at all three lanes at the same time because <laughs> <laughs> there are laptops with three uh three display ports i miss i, I miss was that a game i haven't played that yeah, in a while. i was a mid player i still watch it on you know like the world championships every october november i always watch the world like world tournament um and kind of get back into league and whatnot I think it's, I want to say it's the biggest esports event uh, of the year is the League of Legends World Championships. There are like over a billion people that watch it, um, which is pretty wild. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I used to play, uh, mid was my, was my main role. And so it would be nice to have a monitor that looked at like the river right above me and the river right below me for mid so that I got ganked less. That would be nice. Um, I sucked at mid. Mid was not my good yeah. game. Yeah. You, you just strike me as a support player, Rick. Yeah, I was more defense. I was either I was either the upper or lower, and I yeah. just went down the line, down the tower line. Yeah, Sean, you strike <laughs> me as the AD carry, the the guy that's like just trying to farm and then pwn all the noobs one v nine at the end of the game. <laughs> it's like, all right, I geared up, I'm leveled and totally tricked out. Now no one can beat me. So, <laughs> but you can't do that on a private server. <laughs> I, I never anyway. liked League of Legends. Never got into it. Uh, yeah, so it was, I barely know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, <laughs> you got you got no lols, no uh, lols. Well, for let's you. get it. Let's get back <laughs> into this topic at hand. So let me let me kind of. I know that we, you know, Sean introduced this at the beginning of the episode, but I wanted to talk about complacency. Um, for specifically for no this is going to really help i think first time creators but specifically this is for people who have run a crowdfunding campaign because i see the same problem kind of reoccurring um it, you know and just 
we've done well over 150 crowdfunding campaigns now, and we've brought many of those clients to e-commerce and, you know, uh, supported them through retail and, and everything. And there's this thing that happens when somebody and myself included, I get, you know, my next Kickstarter campaign, I've got now at least uh, 5,400 emails that are a part of my list and they regularly open and other things like that. Um, but you know, and there are a lot of others that have run a Kickstarter and have an email list and, or have built an email list. Um, the, the mistake that I see people making that I wanted to address is that they get complacent and say, I have this audience that is, you know, and then they make the assumption that is wrong. This audience that is mine, therefore they will support the next thing I make. And what that assumption that is wrong cause it's actually more like it's like we talked about uh a, a you know two podcasts ago this concept between ice cream and shark bites they're correlated but they're not they're not one doesn't cause the other uh when there's more ice cream consumed um during the summertime it also happens that there are more shark bites in the summertime so the more ice cream that's consumed uh the more the more people get bitten by sharks is not correct it's the the summertime uh, there's the, there's a missing piece, which is that it's hot, so people eat ice cream, but it's hot, so people get into the water. So that the actual link between ice cream and shark bites, or shark bites, is the heat of the summertime, and so that that third element missing totally gets people to make the wrong conclusions. So the the problem in a marketing sense, in in regard to complacency, is that I have an email list of people that backed my last game or that know about me and that receive my content. Therefore, they will support my next campaign because they've already supported one or something like that. And um, so I think that the uh, the missing component is that people support things that they want. So if you're sending, you know, I, I we see, you know, the most common problem is where we see people, um, like they make one kind of game and you know they fund that on Kickstarter, and then their next game is a completely different genre, completely different theme, you know, like a lighthearted party game, and then their next game is like a super heavy dungeon crawler, and um, that's just not going to attract the same type of audience and and everything. So that's that's like the easiest example to point out, but there are there are others, and so you know we've had a couple of these that um, have kind of occurred over the. Uh, over the years that we've been doing this. And I, I just thought I want to make a podcast for people that will help them um, avoid this problem. Um, so what, what are you guys thoughts? Do you have any thoughts to start us off? Well, I'm thinking maybe before we, we dive into the, the weeds, we define complacency because it's a word that people might not use too often in their vernacular. So Andrew, how, how are you defining that term and what do you mean by it? Uh, so I guess it's where people feel confident in, uh, their current position. So as a company, you've got your email list. You maybe you have a product that is good that people wanted, and um, you know you've you've got you've you've achieved some measure of success, and that measure of success has caused you to rest on your laurels a little bit. Instead of you know when you uh, you know imagine back to when you're hustling for your very first project, you're working hard. For me, I I worked super duper hard to get one person to care. Um, I remember some weeks I would have one person sign up to my email list and that would be like, I would have been <laughs> lucky to have that one person. And I hustled to, to make that happen. Um, after a while, you know, we started running ads. We, you know, uh, got a little more notoriety. We had, you know, at one point we had 400 people jump on our email list in like three hours because a post on board game revolution community went viral and whatnot. But that was all from work that, you know, just, plugging, you know, hitting, hitting the pavement and, and working and trying to share about the game, bringing it to conventions and other things like that. Um, so now I'm not able to do the work that I did at that time. I have more children. I have young, young children, uh, now a six week old baby and, or a seven week old baby. And, um, the type of work that I can do changes. However, um, I need to kind of continue to keep my eye on the ball if I just rely on, oh, I have 5,400 emails now and a successful Kickstarter campaign and a, a board game geek uh, following and a Facebook group and a Discord server that's active, 
I will just make another thing and all those people will, um, will jump on board. That's where what, what that, that, uh, kind of mental position would cause would be, you know, I wouldn't, uh, necessarily keep those communities actively engaged myself. If I'm like, Hey, I need to earn these people's respect. I need to earn these people's, uh, we'll say their willingness to participate. We need to, I need to make sure that they're on board by engaging with them and making sure that this content is what they want and, and all of that. That's the attitude one needs to have. But if, if you don't continue to engage, you realize, you know, if you, if you think, you know, I mean, I've heard uh, several times for our own projects and I know others will have heard this too. If you run a good Kickstarter campaign and you deliver and everybody's happy or whatever, you're going to get people that will tell you I'll back every single project you make. And that's a really awesome thing to hear. It definitely strokes my ego a little bit when I hear that, but I, I, I don't think it it's, it, uh, it's a two birds in the bush versus one bird in the hand. As the, the saying goes, it's better to have one bird in the hand than two birds in the bush. I uh, don't know why it says, it says that, but or, I don't know. Bushes. Yes. <laughs> so, so uh, the moral of the story, your hands should be bushes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the idea is that um, it's a lot, it's easy for somebody to, to say, you know, oh, you know, you're all back everything that you, uh, that you come up with. But then when the time comes, there are a million reasons that are reasonable that they wouldn't. Um, and so it's, it's not something that you, that, that should cause you to stop working or to stop trying to earn even that person's, um, um, I guess that, that person will, will say like that person's vote or that person's money. Um, you know, that person's backing right in, in the end of your next campaign. So does it, was that a good definition? How would you guys define complacency? Well, um, I, I'd say this, uh, crowdfunding nerds wouldn't be here if uh we if we were complacent <laughs> um crowd, crowdfunding nerds is uh operated by next level web which is our marketing company and back in uh during uh the horrible uh covid times uh yep. you know when you're an internet marketing company and 90% of the businesses uh that you market are are closed you have no mm-hmm. business and yeah. uh we're also located in southern california which is uh probably one at the, at the time was one of the more sealed places um you know one of the more closed off places yeah and at the time andrew had a had a uh, a kickstarter advertising campaign he was r- running and then he had another one and we're like hey this looks good maybe we should talk about this <laughs> yeah but yeah and i remember i still remember our first little podcast we recorded in your office um, it took like but, an hour and it was like four minutes or something. I don't even think it's that it's like two. <laughs> yeah. And I think it might've been two hours that it took to record. Right. But yeah. So, I mean, uh, we had to, you know, change, you know, we had to get out of our comfort zone of just doing, you know, marketing for websites and look at marketing for other things, uh, during that time. And of course here we are. And that was like, what, three years ago now. Yeah. 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 Ooh. That's right. We're, we're over three years of podcasts now. Um, the uh you know it is it is interesting because on the uh seo marketing you know the small business side of things i mean every board game publisher is also going to be a small business but what i'm talking about you know we do organic seo marketing to get people to the top of google uh in like you know plumbing and roofing and solar and you know a million other industries like that uh, that are more service based businesses rather than product based and uh that's a lot of what rick uh does and what I find is that there are some people, so like in the area that I live right now is uh, central Texas, it is very, very busy. If you are a contractor, you have a lot of work. There's a lot of new home construction. There's a lot of uh, people moving into the area that need a plumber, that need a painter, that need a new fence or whatever. And those people are all slammed busy and they're so busy that they're not looking for work that they have, you know, between like three to six months of lead time that they, before they can get to the next, you know, before they can get to your project. And that's something that, um, you know, every handyman is just booked out, uh, you know, as, as far as can be. And I, I find there are companies that get into these positions and they become complacent where they're like, Oh, I have so much work. I'm just trying to, you know, juggle the, the, the work that I have. And they don't work to, um, you know, they don't use the money that they're making. They're making a lot of money 
and they do they do not so the complacency problem is that they fail to reinvest some of that money into their future uh, into future proofing themselves for marketing so you know we had uh, many in uh, southern california you have uh, solar is very popular and we had many solar companies um that you know we had one cl- we have one client there that has been our client for a long time and what happens in seo you know when I get somebody to the top of Google for Solar San Diego, I don't want to get a second solar client in that area. It'd be disingenuous for me to have my own competition in within our company. So we kind of have these these um uh I mean it's it's not exactly unspoken. We tell our clients that, but we won't take on another client if they're competing in the same area with if with the same service. And um so like a plumber in North San Diego County versus a plumber in South San Diego County is fine. But a solar company that will travel all over is, is you know, we won't add a second one. But uh, anyway, our solar company that we work with continued to invest even when things were busy. And then something else happened, which changed kind of the, the solar market in Southern California and it made everybody frenzy by solar. And they ended up selling like, you know, millions of dollars of, of solar contracts that would be, it would take them over a year to finally get to the last home and everything like that. And so now they're sitting on a boatload of cash and they have a bunch of jobs to do and they're kind of plugging away, but they're still investing in marketing with us. Um, and I think that when all of those jobs are done, solar in San Diego is actually has actually taken a significant hit um, because of this. Uh, I don't know if you guys will understand, but something NEM3 versus NEM2, um, it's like solar is less profit or is it's not able to pay itself back as quickly um as it used to is kind of the the idea um and so when all of those jobs are done and when that cash is done is gone they are they would suffer greatly if they didn't continue to market and invest that money and other things like that so whenever somebody you know i i see it all the time where businesses used to do really really well and then they go through lean times and and some of the big ones just don't survive because, or some of the people who were formerly very successful just don't survive It's because when they had the money, they uh, invested it poorly or they just didn't invest it properly and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think one of the, the dangerous assumptions is to assume that your success will continue indefinitely in the future. And this is mm-hmm. the problems that a lot of people get into and you have to say, well, there's probably a reason why things are successful now and maybe I should be uh, seeing this income at this time as an investment into the future when things are a bit dry. That's something that we do with crowdfunding nerds, right? We, we have a, uh, you know, each month we, we sort of work out how much the company's made and we set aside a little something for, you know, mm-hmm. m- months when things are a bit slow. And if we need to take from that pool, then we can. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just, just wise and it's something that every business owner needs to think about and to operate within is not assuming that if things are going really well, that that's going to continue forever. And just to make yep. sure that you're always putting something aside for those rainy days. Yep. Yeah. In fact, um, we, uh, Rick, you could probably talk about the moving company, uh, the uh, Northeastern uh, quadrant of the U S moving company that uh, used to just crush it. And uh, then, then something happened and it's not, but um, the, uh, yeah, that it made you made me think of that one right away. Still a client of ours, but going through some really rough times. Um, you know, it was just. I I think the 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 problem is I'll say I'll say this before I pass it off to Rick. But the problem is that um, humans think they're going to be in a more advantageous, better position, making more money, being more successful five years from now than um, you know. That's just general across the board. Everybody thinks that they're going to be in a better position five years from now rather than in a worse position. And so I think that when we um, use that assumption to make life altering or, I mean, to, to make decisions when, you know, that your future self won't appreciate, um, I think that's where people start running into problems. I don't know if you have anything <laughs> to add, Rick, now that I... Actually, uh, it's funny because it actually happened to two moving companies and it was in the north one was it was northwest not northeast i was a little confused oh, like sorry, northeast. Northwest. i'm like i was thinking of a communications company Directions. i'm talking about but um, <laughs> but um actually there was also <clears throat> there was two there were there there's one that was still a client and then there's one that actually just disappeared and mm-hmm. went out of business and we never heard from them again um 
and yeah, it, it can be very volatile. Well, you, you, especially if you're a contractor, um, and you, you have, uh, extra help. So if you have other people working for you, um, you know, things to be going well. So you keep hiring, hiring, hiring. And all of a sudden, if you're not, you know, investing and in making sure that that work stays, all of a sudden you have like 10 people with nothing to do. And of course, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to make it some tough decisions on what you're going to do with those 10 people. Um, yep. so yeah, it, it could be tough. Um, in fact, you know, that's, that's, that's usually where, where we kick in as a lot of times companies were doing well and then all of a sudden they're not doing as well as they used to. And then they start calling mm-hmm. us saying, Hey, we need some help. You know, and in fact, uh, we've had a lot of Kickstarters do that too. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they start, they launch their game and all of a sudden like, Oh, we're not doing as well as we thought. Maybe we should, uh, look at some marketing and then they call us. And usually we tell them by that time it's a little too late and then you need to probably relaunch. But yeah, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's more of an afterthought than a, than a, you know, pre pre prepared, pre thought. I probably yeah. said that bad. <laughs> Forethought. Yeah, Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah. So my for my for everybody listening to this, my number one takeaway is that you. Uh, so well, when you when you look at you know everybody has this this vision for where they want to go, um, and if you don't, you should establish a vision for where you want to go. So that each step is taken in the correct direction, right? So the the proverbial mountaintop that you're looking to to get to, you're on this path far away from the mountain, and you are trying to look through, you know, clouds and and forest and other obstacles. Um, you know, maybe knights and orcs and all of that. If you're a fantasy nerd like me, uh, we'll start to kind of, um brew in your imagination as you as you envision this this mountaintop you can see the mountain kind of like the lonely mountain in um the hobbit where they look at the lonely mountain at the end of the um the first movie that image of the mountain that they need to get to is um one that i think is everybody's on as far as the hero's journey or the journey for your company or whatever it is that you want to do in, in in life and so i think that the uh, you might not be able to make steps in like directly as the crow flies toward that destination, but you should be making steps that are going, you know, maybe there's a chasm that you can't cross. You needed to go around to the bridge or whatever. Um, but every step should be taking you closer toward that, uh, that end goal. Right. Um, so the, the advice that I, that I have for you, anybody listening to this, my number one, like key takeaway, if you listen to nothing else is that, um, given that understanding of like every step you take is toward the, the, in, in the correct direction. Um, the next step you take is the most important one. The most important step you take is the next one. And so I, I find a lot of people overlooking, um, the, the step by step process where mm-hmm. they look at the mile by mile, or they look at the, uh, you know, one year, three year, five year, but they're not looking. So the, the failure I think that a lot of people make in, in relation to this point is that they, um, so you need to take, you know, as, as, uh, like your yearly goal, breaking into 12 monthly goals that add up to achieve that yearly goal. But the monthly goal, you have to break into daily steps that, Hey, I do this 30 times, or I do these things in, in 30 days, I achieve my monthly goal. If I do those things, you know, whatever, 360 times, then I achieve my 12 monthly goals, which will give me um, you know, my yearly goal. And this is, I guess, by the lunar calendar, because I said 360. Um, I, I don't know if you guys do that, but I, something that um, I do with my wife, it, to, to be honest, we haven't done it in a while, but we tend to make uh, six month goals. Every six months, we just get together as husband and wife and we set six month goals. And it's good because we can hold each other accountable, but we also then break it down uh, those six months into, okay, well, what do I want to get within, what do I want to achieve in three months? And we sort of, Help, help each other work out something that is realistic, but it's also achievable. Mm-hmm. And that way we can look back in six months. Oh yeah. Did we actually achieve that or we didn't? And sometimes you, you don't achieve it, but you achieve something else because you tried to go down that path and mm-hmm. it actually opened up something else that you, you, you went down and it, it, it can be quite encouraging looking back or discouraging depending on <laughs> how things are. <laughs> but it, generally it's more encouraging than, than anything. But I, I think it's important. It's something that um, I, I'm actually due to do recently just sit down with my wife and go through and do six month goals. And I think that's just important on a personal level, but then also an, on a, in, in your business as well. And it's something that we've done with crowdfunding notes. We've got Jacob on, we had a goal to bring him on full time at, by a certain date and we achieved that goal. And that's, that's a, 
it's it's a good feeling when it's like okay we worked hard we were able to achieve that and mm-hmm. so now we, we need to set goals moving forward after that fact and so on and so forth yep yeah um so uh let's see let's let's talk about some of the um so complacency takes many forms my question to you guys is what actions that somebody might take in a in a you know like that that somebody that would go to crowdfunding like a board game publishing company or whatever what what does complacency look like in a in a company like that um or i mean in any company is is fine i'm sure that everybody can apply this to you know these these potential situations to them you guys you guys have one or shall i start <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna say. I thought Richard was about to speak, but he's coughing apparently. So. <laughs> Cranky, his his name on the podcast. We have we have video open just for for cues and and everything, and uh, his video uh, title is "Cranky Old Man." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and like for the work I do, um, you know, complacency is doing the same thing and then not doing research and seeing what's changed. Um, Google. Back in the good old days, Google would update their algorithm maybe once or twice a year. This year alone, mm-hmm. practically, especially the last half of this year, they've updated their algorithm every single month. And yeah. what worked one day does not work the next day. And you have to keep trying to find what works and what doesn't and then apply those methods. Um, it's sort of like a, almost like a, a rap, you know, rabbit hunt where you're out there and one time you catch the rabbit and you think, oh, yeah, I know where he lives, you know, where the rabbits yeah. live. I'll go to the same place again. And all of a sudden, you know, they're gone. So now you got to go and find a new rabbit hole. Um, Pretty much that's the same thing there. Um, complete, you know, almost for, for Kickstarter, um, I, I, you know, I just, I think complacency is just being like, you know, happy or, or satisfied with where you're at and not looking at moving down the line or looking at, um, <clears throat> or if you are moving, de- looking down the line, you're looking too far down the line and not, you know, to what the next thing is or, or you don't, you don't look at also the, um, the um you know you don't think of a disaster i'd call like you know if, you know like schools when you were in school you know you'd have your fire drill and you'd have your earth here in southern california we had earthquake drills mm-hmm. back in the 50s they used to have nuclear bomb drills which who knows why they did that but anyway to get under your desk <laughs> yeah that's gonna save you from this nuclear bomb that's gonna go off uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. or if you're like indiana jones you just jump into a, a lead-lined uh, refrigerator and all is good <laughs> right um mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, so, um, you know, you need to also not only look at where you're going, but you also need to look at what to do if you don't get to where you're going or what to do. You should have contingencies for yeah. everything. For example, you know, first thing, first thing, you know, before you launch your Kickstarter, you need to have a contingency of what do I do if I don't make my goal or what do I do if I don't make what I want to make? Because sometimes mm-hmm. people, you know, have... <laughs> They they set these uh, these superficial low low uh, goals just to make it look like oh look I one thousand times my goal on day one just to make them yeah. <clears throat> excuse me just to make them look really good but then of yeah. course they make their goal that's not what they really actually needed to make the game and now yep. they're in trouble because you know they made their goal and people think it's all good and they're like wait we don't have enough to make this game what are we gonna do. So, you know, things like yeah. that. I mean, there's so many things I can think of, you know, that, that can, you know, be a problem, especially when it comes to complacency. Um, but I don't want to talk all day, so I'll, I'll let you guys jump in. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a, a really good point that you brought up. And I think that, um, contingencies. So, um, I have two personally, uh, types of goals that I put together. One is my big hairy audacious goal. And I think I've shared it a number of times on this podcast for the next deliverance Kickstarter campaign. I want it to make at least, a million dollars. And if I don't make that goal, am I a failure? If I only made, you know, 400,000 is, is, did I fail? I mean, you know, I guess in the strictest sense of the word, I did not make a million in, in that, in this made up uh, case, but it doesn't mean that I am a failure. Um, I think that success is paved with failures. Um, so over and over again, as a business person, you should be failing and uh, you should be failing at a reg on a regular cadence. Um, you know, it's just the way that the way that things go, um, you know, it'll be nice in heaven. There won't be any, any weeds, any, uh, setbacks, uh, you know, but that's not the way it is here. And so, 
you've got to just out. I mean, number one, give yourself some grace. Like if you didn't happen to achieve a goal, you're not perfect. You're fallible and you just need to like chill and, and reevaluate. Um, so I think that the, you, you need to give allowance for unknowns. You need to give allowance for the market itself to say how much they liked it. I mean, maybe, you know, we made $314,000 in our, in our Kickstarter campaign for deliverance. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the market will say, we love this so much that, uh, that, that a bunch of other people jump on board and that's just, and that's how we make our million dollars. If the market tells me something else, uh, it doesn't mean that people don't like the game. It means, you know, if, if we don't make a million dollars, it just means that I'm going to, that I have more work to do. You know, I think, um, I've, I've always felt like, you know, I've always wished rather that I would just have like one key moment where all of a sudden, like some huge famous movie star, like the rock shares on his Twitter <laughs> that he's playing deliverance with his family. And like the president of the United States is like, Oh wow, that's really cool. And retweets it. And then, you know, um, it just like, Asmodee is like, I need to laugh and buy a twenty percent stake in your company for a billion dollars. You know, that's <laughs> that's what would be nice. Um, but I don't. As far as I know, The Rock. I don't even. I don't even know. I don't even use Twitter. So, uh, like, I barely use Twitter. <laughs> but, X. Um, yeah, X. So, um, yeah. <laughs> twit. Twit. So this. Yeah, I, I I ran ads on on X to see if it worked. It just it didn't work very well. But um, <laughs> you got you got X on X. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just low returns. You know, better to put that money to Facebook. Well, you know, but, I can um, I can advertise your yeah. game. I got this bald head. You know that you know, I can sort of look like the one. <laughs> Twenty bucks. My next and cosplay. I will pay for the tattoo. My next cosplay. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I think so, one, one thing, one way to fight complacency is to sort of harbor this attitude of gratitude, and not constantly looking to the future, but sometimes looking back because you might not be where you want to be, but you're not. You're not where you came from. Yeah. yeah. That can be quite encouraging if you can see progress in your life and where you're moving. Uh, you know, the fact that you even got something successfully funded, you have a small community of people who are standing behind you. That in and of itself is something to be uh, quite grateful for and to steward that wisely because not everyone has that. And that took mm-hmm. a lot of work to, to generate and not to sort of take for granted the kind of positions that you, you're in and the opportunities afforded to you. And I think this can be a danger when when you when you have large a larger audience, and this is what we've sort of been talking about because success sort of breeds success. Sort of, it's easier to build mm-hmm. an email list when you have a larger email list. You have more people to mobilize, and I think the danger then is to sort of think that. I think the danger always arises when you start looking at success people more successful of, than you. That as well, but also if you, if you start looking in terms of numbers, uh-huh. right, if you start number crunching. Because behind those numbers are people, you know, and that's the the thing that you're as a business you're serving people, you're providing goods and services that help them achieve something. And if you're just looking at numbers, it, it very quickly can become a numbers game. And you need to look at numbers; it is important. But if that's the, all that you're doing, to realize that there's actually people whose lives are being impacted by the things that you're doing, mm-hmm. I think that can your attention can start being you can put that you're focused on the wrong things instead of satisfying your customers. It can be about reaching certain arbitrary numbers, and mm-hmm. that that's just a path for, for disaster, I think, in the long term. Where you know you're you're hitting these numbers, but what do they mean? How does it actually impact the market? How's it actually satisfying your customers? Is it going to provide long term satisfaction, which m- makes people want to come back and back to you and build your brand, or is it just mm-hmm. a, a quick cash grab that makes the numbers look good, but you know your business is not going to last ten years? Right. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll mention one other thing is that, uh, as a, so, you know, uh, going back to my own experiences, I made a kind of a tactical combat dungeon crawler, you know, and, um, I look at other more successful launches, looking at something like, um, you know, Marvel zombies or nemesis. You see that on game Found? Nemesis, Yeah. It's like what, what did they hit? Nine or $12,000,000. Yeah. It was, it was the third largest campaign ever behind kingdom death monster and the frost haven campaign. Amazing. They had a $900 pledge level for all the nemesis stuff. I mean, I don't think, I don't think my, my house could fit all the boxes that would arrive. Um, but, and I definitely don't think that I would be able to play all of them, but I, I thought that was a really great ad. 
It's like, tell your wife you want this for Christmas or whatever. That was, that's pretty cool. But, um, it, uh, it was, it was amazing. And 41,000, 41,000 backers. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest, like, I want that too. I want that for deliverance. And I think that it's, it's my big, hairy, audacious goal to one day be one of the biggest games like that. Um, but I don't, I mean, who knows if that's truly achievable. I'm going to try to achieve it um, over time. But if I look at a company like that and then I judge myself based on, okay, they, they were able to do this in, in so many years and, and I'm not where I should be and this and that, that is um, a false equivalency, I think is the, is the correct phrase. Like it, it doesn't, um, I'm, I shouldn't be upset at, and this is re- actually really common in, in, um, with, with uh, creators where somebody will achieve success and it will make others jealous. Like this is something that really, really hap- that happens all the time. And I've, I've had uh, many cases of myself where I really, really try to, to advocate for other people and just be a good dude to, to others. But I mean, when um, other people have success, sometimes it's like, it's a little stab of like, oh, I don't have that success. I want that, but I don't have it yet. And um you kind of have to fight this urge of, of just uh, feeling sorry for yourself or being jealous of someone who's more, uh, who's further ahead than you or who achieved more success. And um, again, it's a false equivalency. They, you're in a different situation than them. You have a different product than them. Um, and your road is going to look different than theirs. So, um, you know, it's, if you're, if you are the person who has achieved success, I mean, there are people that, would dream of earning $300,000 on Kickstarter. I've done that. Um, and I'm not satisfied with that at all. You know, and I just, I'm, I'm there and I'm like, okay, I realize $300,000 is like a tiny little blip on the radar of, you know, these companies who are more successful than mine. I, my goal is to now do this or whatever. But, um, I think the point you made, Sean, about looking back, just, you know, look back and see where you've been. I mean, there was a point where I just had this idea and wanted people to experience it and just put together a cruddy paper prototype and, you know, took it with a Rick to our first convention and had people say the game sucks, you know, like that, <laughs> it was, that was where we started. I was, I was just about to say, I was listening to a, a call with a client today and they were talking about their discord and I sent them de- the, the deliverance discord. Like, here's an example of what to do. This is a, a very active community. Uh, here's some things you might want to try yourself. So like even that, you know, there was a time where the deliverance discord didn't exist. And now mm-hmm. look at it. It's full of people. There's people jumping on, wanting to play games, asking questions. There's conversations happening. So mm-hmm. that's something that's something to look back and be like, wow, you know, this didn't exist at one stage. Now it's, it's being used within our company as an example for other people <laughs> saying, Hey, yeah. mimic this, copy this. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that, uh, utilizing early feedback is very important in a, in a game. But once you've established yourself, the feedback isn't quite the same um, as we've seen recently from uh, all the stuff that's going on on, uh, you know, like Board Game Geek and stuff with with, with Deliverance. Um, also, uh, we know in this podcast, we, we've talked so much about, you know, your first Kickstarter campaign and the things to do to be successful. Um, however, we, we we don't talk as often about your second or third or beyond. Um uh, campaign so maybe we should talk about some complacencies in going into that second we we sort yeah. of briefly talked about a few there but let me just go over a few that that um um that many people may get stuck in now for example andrew discussed uh um assuming um this is a uh, relying solely on your reputation reputation of the first campaign makes you assume that your second will actually succeed that's that's one that a lot of people will make they're like hey i did great on the first one you know like let's say you make Uno, <laughs> you know yep. everyone knows what the game Uno is, but they made a game called Dos. How many people play Dos? Nope. <laughs> what is that? Never well, it's gonna go it. great because we made Uno. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so um, like Andrew was saying, um, he t- he, t- he did some um, some side notes that we have here, but he was in his side notes. He actually said, you know, was saying that uh, you know you want to plan your next campaign with the same. A rigor or, um, you know, like as your first campaign and to continue to conduct research, gather feedback, um, and, you know, and, and 
maintain your marketing strategy. Um, another thing that people, now there's this part, this next step is, is the theme of the game or the innovation of your game, your next game. And there's two parts. One is, um, the people, um, who did your initial Kickstarter with you, you did a, you did a game in a specific genre. Um, and you just make a quick expansion, assuming, um, uh, being complacent, assuming that it's going to be do really well. Cause you just, you know, it's an expansion of the first game which sort of goes along with the first thing I talked about, but also people um, go the opposite and do like a, you know, they go there. Uh, the game was a cooperative, you know, player game. And now it's a zombie apocalyptic single player blood and gore game. I don't know. And they go way off the, the, what the original game was expecting their fan base to comply or be like, Oh yeah, this is great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that, you know, I just, you know, I would say, you know, uh, when you do an expansion, make sure it's if, if if it's you know if you're doing a Kickstarter expansion, make sure you provide something unique, different mechanics, mm-hmm. um, thematic elements, different differentiate from, from the original. And if you're doing something crazy out there, um, you may really need to look at your your uh, go back to your backers and get input from them to see if that's something that they would be interested. In. If not, you would really need to treat it like a first Kickstarter where you'd have to get a whole new audience because it's a whole different yeah. genre. Um, another thing that people do is after their first Kickstarter is they, uh, they overlook communicating with, with the backers they originally had. They'll be like, those That's go on was, and- that was a big one right there. You want to talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you, you, uh, so it's, it's one of the biggest things we have where you say, you know, and it's, it's very natural for somebody that is a creative type that made something creative that people really loved to say, ah, I will go back into my cave and then make something else people will love and it will come out and then everybody will cheer for me. And in actuality, everybody forgets who you are and there's nobody, when you emerge from your cave, there's nobody waiting for you. Um, and you just have to happen to strike the right balance of, you know, what the market wanted at the time. Um, this to me is represented by failing to send emails to your existing list and failing to really engage with people in all the mediums that you should be engaging. Uh, for us, we you know, as Sean mentioned, we've got uh, Discord, Facebook, uh, Facebook group, Board Game Geek, and our Kickstarter updates, as well as our uh, email list. And those five places are how we get information to our people. But super duper importantly, we hear from our people and um, we respond to them. We can actually fellowship with them, and I think that's super duper important. Um, you hear, you know, we're hearing about what they want what other, you know, what things they didn't like, what things they want to, want to, you know, would hopefully see in the next Kickstarter campaign, what they would buy um, and other things like that. So I'm, um, you know, really trying my best to keep an ear to the ground for what my audience wants. But um, in, and there are a lot of companies for, for many different reasons that kind of fail to do that. One of them, and this is tem- a temptation for me as well is to spread myself too thin with a number of different, uh, w- very different intellectual properties. So if I made, uh, you know, have an idea for kind of a, um, like an RTS game that would be fun, that would be maybe space themed or something like that. And if I made that, I would need to cultivate a fan base around that game too. And, and being honest, I just don't have the time to do two things um you know that like i already do two things and i don't have the time i do deliverance and i run next level web like this is these you know in crowdfunding this is like already a challenge and then you know we try to you know uh get them to to um uh, mesh together and as best we can and um you know i just it's one of those things that i i see companies that have multiple different types of games they really don't have the resources to be able to um, build and, and, and keep communities engaged in, in all of that, all of that region or all of those different intellectual properties. Like I I've decided for now, I'm just sticking with deliverance because it's what I have the time for. It's what I know people want. And it's a decision that I've made kind of at the, I don't know, like the 30,000 foot view of, of everything that's going on that is going to save me lots and lots of time. I'm not actually working actively on developing other types of games. I'm working on making more deliverance and helping the fans of deliverance be 
more, uh, you know, just get what they want and, and get more of it. And so, um, that's something that I, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to develop a, a wide, like a wide portfolio of products. I'm looking to develop one product and sell, you know, a million units of it. Um, and so that, which I think is generally a better idea than, than trying to sell a hundred thousand units of 10 different products. Um, I think you'll have uh, more success with, with the one that people really want. Um, and then as we grow larger with the publishing company, if we do make a million dollars, maybe then I can actually have people that work on something else. Um, but it's uh, that I, I think that people tend to spread themselves so thin so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, all right, I made, you know, $80,000 with my Kickstarter. And they're like going to work on three or five three to five different campaigns or different uh, games at the same time. And they, they end up not making any of them. Um, so it's a, it's a tough kind of a, a tough road when you spread yourself too thin. Um, I think another yeah. thing to keep in mind is that no matter how big you get, you're never too big to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if, how many of you That's remember cars? <laughs> well, how, I, think. I don't know if any of you remember Google plus. Mm-hmm. That Google tried to create their own social media thing. Which it was they the forced- fastest growing social media platform. I want to say it had like 10 million people adopted in like 14 days. Well, it's because they forced everyone who had a YouTube account to convert yeah. and, and have it. And then no one stuck around, but that failed. So even Google with all their you know financing and being able to convert all their YouTube <laughs> accounts mm-hmm. to a social media site failed. Uh, another one is Valve. They created a kind of like a... Um, Hearthstone card game, mm-hmm. digital card game clone called Artifact, which flopped. Um, mm-hmm. You have Blizzard with Diablo Immortal. It's the Diablo mobile game, which people were not happy about. So even these really successful businesses have made flops, <laughs> have made failures when yeah. they've tried to bre- breach into other markets or try something different. So n- no company is too big to fail. I think it's one reason why Valve particularly stops make, making games because they make money from selling other people's games. Why take the risk of creating a game that potentially can flop? Yeah. So and, and damage their brand reputation. So I think that's yeah. probably one reason. I think focus. There's a there's a lot to be uh, said about focus. And you know uh, mm-hmm. sometimes the market says what they really really want. And when you're making uh, your when all of your success is coming from one place, then that's I mean that's a uh, what you should focus on. I think Mm -hmm. that um, I've seen many store like brick and mortar businesses, let's say like a board game shop um, in, in the past, uh, my local board game shop back when I used to live in Southern California, um, there was uh, one called paradise games and they uh, they're, they're based in like Vista Oceanside in in, in California. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was in and out burger and paradise games for Friday night magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or whatever board game night. And, um, they had the, their store owner, his name is Rob, really nice guy. And he had, uh, uh, several stores. Um, I want to say at the, at the time he had two stores, his main store and which was, you know, he kept on taking more real estate from, uh, you know, the, the, uh, like the commercial lot that he was in. He yeah, kept he was taking a more strip, tweets and yeah, he was a strip mm-hmm. mall. And when the neighbor would move out, he would just expand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, which is great. You know, that business is doing really well, but he told me one day that his other business was just lose, you know, the other location just kept losing money, losing money. And the only reason that it existed was because the first location was so profitable. And so what he ended up doing was after like a five-year lease or whatever, he ended up closing down that second location and just continuing to invest in the primary location, which he, I think that the reason for this is because, you know, he, he was able to be only he was either going to have to divide his attention between two or just um, uh, focus on the one that worked. And I think that it, uh, for whatever reason, maybe a combination of the staff or the situation in the other location was just, was just not right. And maybe took, was going to take too much work. Um, it was just more worthwhile for him to focus. And that business is still very successful and uh, ever expanding, you know, um, so I, I think that's, there's a lot to be said for just focusing on what is currently working and doing more of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we, we should wrap it up. 
Yeah, yeah, we can we can wrap it up. So hopefully, you know. Oh, and and I'll 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 leave us with one last thought. Um, I know that many of our listeners are first are indeed like you said, Rick, like first time creators looking to go to Kickstarter or GameFound to to make the dream happen. But I also know that many of our listeners are multi. You know, they they have multiple Kickstarter campaigns and they're very successful. Um, first of all, I think the 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 final way that I'll mention to avoid complacency is to continue learning. And just simply by listening to this podcast, it's our goal to 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 share so that you guys can kind of ever expand your, you know, your um your horizons, right? And so if you're listening to this podcast, it's a way to kind of avoid complacency because you're learning about what we're doing that's working and not working and and everything else in between. We try to use first-hand examples, which is why we talk about deliverance so much, is because that's that's the thing that I made. That is that I'm in the middle of doing all the things for and all of our clients. We try not to name if uh, you know if there's anything negative, but uh, but we we try to share those experiences uh, with you guys. So all the people that are listening that have published a game and are aiming to publish more or have published a line of games and um, are looking to publish more, we we kind of rely on you guys to extrapolate lessons from anytime we're talking about a first time creator, but. Uh, but I hope you guys find the podcast valuable. So with that said, I guess we can wrap our episode on complacency. Uh, Rick, you want to take us away? And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am being very complacent right now because I'm saying the exact same thing I say every week. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> but if you <laughs> no, I can't even talk, but make sure you check out our other great uh, episodes. We, we just hit our third year here on crowdfunding nerds. Visit crowdfundingnerds.com. Enjoy our wonderful, great Facebook group. You have, if you have any questions about your Kickstarter campaign at Facebook at the uh, crowdfunding, uh, I believe it's crowdfunding. I keep forgetting this crowdfunding market. No crowdfunding group crowdfunding, crowdfunding peoples, nerds community crowdfunding nerds community <laughs> and also if you yeah, ever one job need... Richard. <laughs> yeah i can't do it and that's it i'm done because you know game over um i'm complacent the end goodbye and we'll happy see new you next year. week happy new year <laughs> well that's all the time we have for this week's episode of crowdfunding nerds for more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. And if you have a crowdfunding question, we also have a page on our site where you can send a message directly to us. Please visit crowdfundingnerds.com forward slash question. And if your question is a great question, we may include it in a future podcast. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.